it's time for the word of God. Is there anybody who loves the word of God in this place today? A lot of people can shout over the worship. I love the people who can shout about the worship and the word. If you have your Bibles, open up to the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. And uh, we honor Apostle and Pastor Dawn for doing apostolic things. Come on, church. I said they're doing apostolic things. And we honor them if they're watching. We love you. We appreciate you. And uh, we know God is going to use you today, sir. But while you're out there, we're going to handle some business in here today. Come on, somebody. <laughs> Luke chapter 2, 41 through 52. And then I'm going to go over to 1 Corinthians 13 for one verse after I read this. 1 Corinthians 13, 11. This is what the word of the Lord would say today. We're going to get unstuck. And his parents his being Jesus, went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem according to the custom of the feast. And when they had finished the days as they returned, the boy Jesus lingered behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and Mary did not know it. But supposing him to have been in the company, they went a day's journey and sought him amongst their relatives and acquaintances. So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. Now so it was that after three days they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were astonished at his understanding and his answers. So when they saw him, they were amazed. After all these years, he still amazes me. Hmm. And his mother said to him, son, sounds like a mom. Why have you done this to us? Look, your father and I have sought you anxiously. And he said to them, why did you seek me? Did you not know that I must be about my father's business? But they did not understand the statement which he spoke to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Watch it. And Jesus increased. Doesn't sound like anybody stuck to me. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with men. Uh, I feel something breaking in this room. 1 Corinthians 13, one verse, verse 11 says this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. I want to preach for just a few moments on something that's going to get you unstuck and out and into everything. God said it's time to put away childish things buckle up church we're going somewhere today father I thank you for what I sense and what I feel I feel your anointing and without it I can't do anything so speak Holy Spirit our ears are open we're ready to hear you in Jesus name somebody who believes to say amen, amen. 
You can be seated. And as you're seated, just look at somebody and say, put away childish things. You got to be careful who you say that to this morning. Put away childish things. If there's anything I believe at the onset of my message that you need to understand this morning is that if there's anything that's most powerful to add to your pursuit or your arsenal of pursuit, it would be a sincere investment in theology. And before you say, Pastor Josh, I'm done with college or I'm out of school, let me tell you, theology is more than textbooks. It's more than classes. It's more than doctorates. It's more than degrees. Theology in its essence is the study of God. And how dare we say we love God and not try to study the God we say we love. It's important that your entire life you make the investment in theology. Theology is a very powerful thing. It's the study of God. It's people who are in pursuit often find. That's why he says, seek me and you'll find. It is a statement of theology that we as believers, if we say we want revival, we shouldn't seek revival just for revival's sake. If you seek revival for revival's sake, revival becomes an idol. But we don't seek, come on, we don't seek revival or pursue revival for revival's sake. We do it so that we can find God and know what we do not know. Unfortunately for most of us who have been in church for a long time, they have been told that the apex of theology, the apex of our investment in theology is to understand God. And while on the surface that sounds right and it sounds good, can I tell you that cannot be the, the, the apex of your investment in theology? Because here's what I know about understanding God. God will do some things you don't understand. Oh, I wish I had some real people in the room. I said, God will do some things every once in a while that you don't understand. Well, why does God do stuff we don't understand to prove that he's God and you're not? See, there are some people in this room that can testify. In this room, you can stand up in the middle of your faith and you can say there were some ways I wanted it to go. There were some things that I thought it had to be and it had to happen. But when God moved on my behalf, uh, he didn't do it like I thought he was going to do it. Uh, and therefore, there are some moments in my life I sat there thinking, God, I don't understand. See, there's real people in the room who know that you've had to come to church every once in a while, stand there singing the songs with tears coming down your face, saying, I'm singing to you, but God, I truly don't under... I don't understand why my husband did that. I don't understand why my children are acting like that. I don't understand why the job... Come on, y'all, talk to me. I don't understand why the job didn't go through. I don't understand why life has taken me to this place. That's why the, the apex of the investment in theology can't be understanding God. Then what is it, Pastor Josh? The apex of investment in theology then is to know God. That's why the Apostle Paul said, the writer of over 50% of the New Testament, got down to the end of his life and made this statement, Oh, that I might know him. Because here's what I know, that if you commit, to under, you commit to knowing God, you can go through things you don't understand and not lose your faith. Y'all ain't saying nothing. I'm coming for you today. I said, if you go get to the place where your pursuit is to know him and not to understand him, you can walk through something you don't understand and say, though he slay me. 
Yet will I trust him. See, there are some mature people in this room who understand uh, that you can be walking through hell in the hallway. You can be going through some crazy stuff and understand you still got promises like he who has begun uh, a good work is faithful to bring it to completion. You can stand on some promises like no weapon formed against me shall be able to prosper. You can stand on some promises like if God be for me, what can be against me? If you know who God is. If you know who God is, you can stand there and say, it might not look good, sound good, or feel good, but I know by the end of this thing, God works all things together for my good. I feel like preaching in this room this morning to tell somebody it doesn't matter what it looks like in your life today. If you are a child of the living God, by the end of this thing, baby, it's going to be good. I dare somebody who don't care what nobody thinks uh, to take about 10 seconds right here and prophesy to yourself and say, God, it's going to be good. It's going to be good. It's going to be good. I know what I feel in my body. I know what the doctor's report said, but uh, you will not forsake me. It will be I'm trying to calm down this early in the message, uh, but I'm tired uh, of the enemy beating you up and down every single week, uh, trying to convince you that where you are, you have to stay. Baby, the devil is a liar. This thing is about to get good. If you clicked off my movie, you clicked off too soon. What do you mean, Pastor Josh? Because you're about to miss the good part. The apex of our investment in theology is that we would know God. Because if we go after knowing God, you can go through stuff you don't understand and still make it through. So in the spirit of knowing God, we have to know then that God is the kind of God who is the God of beginnings and endings. He's the God of beginnings. That's why the Bible says he is alpha and God is trying to tell us, because he is the God of beginnings and endings, he is trying to tell you that I have the first say. (laughs) Y'all ain't hearing me. I have the first say, and I have the final say in your life. And I know we just got done praising God about some stuff, but that is a word for somebody in the room. Doctors do not have the final say. Come on, come on. Psychiatrists don't have the final say. Let me be real deep. The devil doesn't have the final say. God has the final say concerning your life. He's the God of beginnings and endings. Can I go deeper? He's the God, knowing God, he's the God of starts and stops. And I have to thank him for starting some stuff in my life because he started some stuff I couldn't start from myself. I don't know who, maybe I'm just preaching to me today, but he knows how to start some stuff you can't start on your own. Is there anybody in the room that can look back over your life uh, and realize you're standing in some stuff today that there ain't no way with your strength and with your mind and with your degree, with your ways, uh, you couldn't dare start it. But nevertheless, you are standing in some blessings uh, and some favor, not because of what you started, but for what God started for you. I feel faith rising in the room today. 
He's the God of starts. Watch this. And stops. And I have to thank him that while he started some stuff, he also had the power to stop the enemy while he started me. See, there's some of us in this room with a testimony that we saw God stop some stuff. Only about half of you going to be real in church, but that's all right. I'm going to preach it anyway. There are some of us in this room who have a testimony that we saw God stop cancer, and we saw God stop a bad relationship, and we saw God, come, come on, we saw God stop uh, something. I wonder if there's anybody that can thank God uh, for everything you saw God stop, uh, everything that when the enemy was coming in for the kill, uh, and he thought he had you. Right before he grabbed you, God got in the way and said, not my child, not today, not this year. Is there anybody thankful for what God stopped in your life? Yeah, he stopped it. Uh, he stopped it. Uh, I said, he stopped it. Uh, I said, he stopped it. The disease was sent to kill you. The car accident was sent to take you out. Uh, there was some stuff meant to put you six feet under. But thanks be to God for the moment he got involved and he stopped Excuse me, but he stopped it. I can't get past it sometimes to think about what he stopped. That I saw. See, see, and there's another dimension to this because we can praise God for what we saw him stop. But what if I told you there's some things he stopped that you never saw coming? And everybody can praise God for what they saw him stop that they saw coming. But is there anybody in the room that can praise him for the things you didn't even see uh, that God got in the way of uh, that never made it into your life uh, or your periphery or your way? Somebody give God some praise in the room. Lose your mind and thank him for the stuff he stopped. Can I go deeper? He's the God. We're knowing him of beginnings and endings, starts and stops. Watch this. He is the God who speaks, and he is the God who is silent. He is the God who speaks. Do you realize that's the advantage that you have above every false religion? Islam's God doesn't talk to them. No, no, no. Allah don't, Allah don't talk like that. Buddhism... He don't talk like that. Confusion, he don't talk like that. Do you realize that's the advantage that you have in your life? Is that you can open that book right there and read for 10 minutes and God be saying, here it is. He's going to whisper to you. And not just for the times he whispered out of the book, but how about the times on a Tuesday morning on your way to work when you were sitting at the stoplight and you didn't know how you were going to get an answer and God came right in the car, sat down right beside you, and he spoke to you. I wonder if there's anybody who can thank God for the moments in your life that God opened his mouth and said something that changed you forever. He is the God of beginnings and endings, starts and stops. He is the God who speaks. Watch this. But he is the God who is silent. And everybody shouts about the speaking God. But I don't normally hear many amens when you talk about the God who every once in a while gets quiet. 
silent sometimes. Or should I say he's seemingly silent? Because just because he's not talking, it doesn't mean he's not working. Never confuse God's silence as God's severance in your life. If he promised he was going to be with you, he's going to be with you and be with you and be with you even when you don't think he's talking to you. God's silence is profound. But what if I told you that religion has taught us that God's silence equals God's anger? That if we don't hear from God, it's because God's mad at us. What if I told you that for the truth is, when God gets quiet, it's oftentimes his greatest affirmation in your life. Show me what you mean, Pastor Josh. I'll show you. I travel. I travel. I get used to get on airplanes, and I go to the rental car center, and they say, Mr. Carter, would you like this car? I say, I need a bigger one. I'm a big guy. I'm a big big guy. I need a bigger car. And they give me the bigger car. And then they say, I always ask this question, Mr. Carter, do you need a GPS? Of course, because in 2023, we GPS everything. Come on, don't you lie. The other day I GPS a Starbucks that was 0.2 miles away. I could see the sign and I still GPS that thing. Come on now. You know what I learned about the GPS? She talks a lot. Oh, yes, she does. Turn right, turn left, turn right. You know one thing the GPS will never do, though? It'll never tell you to put it in reverse. That's a word for somebody. I said, that's a word for somebody. Because even when God speaks, he's never going to tell you to put it in reverse. And I get the GPS. The GPS be talking, be talking. And then I get on the interstate, and she say, you got 80 miles to your destination. And then all of a sudden... Peace and quiet. And I realized that she went silent, not because I was doing something wrong. Y'all ain't ready for me today? Not because I was doing the wrong thing. She went quiet because she was saying, you're doing the right thing, and all you got to do is keep on going with what I told you to do, and you're going to end up where I told you you were going to end up. And I hear the Lord saying that some of you have confused his silence, but God's silence in this season ain't I'm mad at you. It's keep on going. You got this. I got your back. And if God be for you, what can be against you? If you believe it, give God some praise for his silence silence in this season <laughs> pastor josh why are you talking about these knowing parts of god and theology and the sounds of god because the backdrop of my text today sits inside on the back end of eight to ten years of absolute silence if you read the book of luke chapter two we are filled with Luke 2 with the Christmas story. There are angels singing and shepherds abiding. There is a lot of pomp and there is a lot of circumstance around the birth of Jesus. It's noisy. God is talking and speaking and declaring. And then eight to ten years. And you can't handle six months. Eight to ten years of God not saying 
anything. But God chooses at 12 to break his silence. Because here's what I want you to understand. Anytime God breaks his silence, it's because there is a fresh revelation to be understood. God doesn't talk just to say he's talking. He talks on purpose. Come on, y'all. Because whatever he says has to happen. And God breaks his silence. See, the previous revelation, is this too deep on a Sunday morning? The previous revelation at the Christmas story was the revelation of incarnation. God was teaching us that he knows how to birth stuff despite poor circumstances. But now at 12, he's saying, I'm changing the narrative because this revelation is not about the incarnation. At 12, this revelation is about maturation. Oh, it got quiet. He is saying to them, there is a time to be a baby. And there is a time to be a toddler. There's time to be a boy. But at 12, I'm teaching you, there is also a time to grow up. Look at somebody say maturity matters. Maturity matters. Maturity matters. See, there is an okay time in your faith. Watch this to be born again. But it's dangerous if you still live in baby faith while you get bigger in the natural. Y'all ain't saying nothing. It's dangerous. Can you talk about how odd it would be if you caught me at the restaurant and Natasha's eating chips and salsa and Jocelyn's eating chips and salsa and I pull out Gerber? Carrots and peas? Come on, somebody. How odd would you think it to be for me to be this grown still eating that way? And some of God's frustration with his people is that we are too grown to have those kinds of needs. I don't expect many amens today, but if you're ready to get into where God has called you, you're going to have to learn in this season to stop being so petty and to start growing up in your faith so that you can have what God said. Look at your neighbor and say, grow up. Grow up. Do you, you know there are some blessings you can't have until you grow up? Do you know there's some ministries you can't have? Y'all ain't saying nothing. Until you grow up. Do you know there are some mantles that won't fall on you until you grow up? There are some things God can't bless you with because you have not grown into the place to receive it. Do you have Bible for that, Pastor Josh? I got Bible for that. You remember Hannah and Samuel? The Bible says that she gave Samuel to the Lord when he was a baby. She dedicated when she was a baby. And most people leave the story right there. But if you read the text, the text says that every year she would go back to the temple and give him a little coat which she had sewn. She made the coat not based on how big he was when she last saw him. But she sewed it based upon how big he ought to be by now. What if I told you that every service on a Sunday or a Wednesday or every small group where you come into his presence, God shows up with a little coat. 
He shows up with new opportunities. He shows up with fresh anointings. Y'all ain't saying nothing. He shows up with some blessings and some favors. But the first thing he's checking before he drops that on you is, can you handle this? I know this ain't going to be popular preaching today. But it is dangerous to give authority into the hands of a child. I love my little Jocelyn, but when it comes to weapons, she can keep her little Rapunzel bow and arrow. Because wouldn't it be a dumb thing? Y'all ain't saying nothing. A dumb thing for me to put a shotgun in the hand of a five-year-old. And y'all say that's stupid, but you'll wonder why. Come on. Y'all wonder why God ain't handing you certain things in this season. He ain't putting certain stuff. Because authority is a weapon of mass destruction in the hands of immaturity. Oh, I feel like running in this room this morning. I said authority is a weapon of mass destruction in the hands of immaturity. Can I go deeper? You realize that the anointing won't even flow on immaturity? Well, you got scripture for that, Pastor Josh? I do. Blessed is the brethren to dwell in unity, for it is like the precious oil, the anointing, which flows from the head even down to the beard. God said, I won't let the oil flow on a baby face. It will only flow on bearded heads. That's why some of you get jacked up because you've confused giftedness with anointing. And we have been deceived by gifts and never transformed by the anointing because we see the gift and assume it's anointed. But the truth is, some people can be gifted and never be anointed. Well, how do you know if they've got the anointing? How do you know if the anointing is real? Don't look at the room, look at the yoke. I said, don't look at the room, look at the yoke. Because I've seen a lot of rooms go up and a lot of people still leave yoked. But when the real anointing gets in the room, the yoke shall be destroyed by the anointing. When the real anointing gets in the room, people leave healed. When the real anointing gets in the room, people leave changed, not by might or by power, but by the Spirit of God and the anointing. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to grow up. You're stuck because you're not growing. I know everybody wants to give you four steps, five ways. But some of you, the only thing holding you back is you are still childish. I'm about to tell you something that's going to get you so unstuck so quick, you can't believe it's going to be that easy. The other night, we were pulling up old videos of Jocelyn. I was scrolling. We were crying. You know how you do. Don't make fun of me for that. I waited a long time to be a daddy. And we got to that little video, and Jocelyn was in her crib, baby jail. All the parents know. Sometimes you just need five minutes. Go to baby jail. Come on, somebody. <laughs> so, so I got this video, and I looked, and she was not even two. 
and she was trying to look over top. She could barely look over the top. She was reaching her little hands through the, the bars. <laughs> she was reaching out there. I look, oh, look, she's so tiny. And she couldn't get out for nothing. And then while I'm looking, I hear her laugh beside me. And I look, and the two-year-old Jocelyn is now five, getting ready to be six. And I didn't see them short little legs. I saw them long legs, and it hit me. That if I tried to put Jocelyn in that same crib now, what held her at two? Couldn't hold her at six. Not because she sowed some seed or gotten some prayer line or saw some special evangelist. The reason why she got out so quick now is because she grew up. What if I told you that that little addiction, that little thing you're stuck in, is waiting on you to grow up? They just think it to the enemy is saying, if I can keep them childish, if I can keep them petty, if I can keep them bitter, y'all ain't saying nothing, if I can keep them with unforgiveness in their heart, as long as I hold them in childish things, they'll never realize how big they've actually gotten. Some of you are staying in stuff you should be able to just step over. time to grow up and God breaks the silence at 12 I'm almost done and says it's time for me to show you the fresh revelation of a mature Jesus because he is turning 12 in Hebrew culture it's a lot different than our culture in our culture we say he's getting ready to be a teenager but in Hebrew culture when you turn 12 you weren't getting ready to be 13 you were turning into a man so he's not just coming out of childhood, but he's also stepping into manhood. At the same time he's coming out of one, he's stepping into the next. And the text opens up with Jesus mature. No, no, don't get it twisted. I know he's 12, but spiritually God is trying to show us the actions of the mature. Oh, come on, don't miss it. The actions of the mature. And so the text says, i got to hurry. The text says that every year since he was born, they went up to Jerusalem and they went in to the temple and they celebrated Passover every year. We call every year a habit. So much so by the time we're 12, the text no longer calls it a habit. It says that they went up according to the custom. Let me stop right here for just a moment and tell you that one generation's habits become the next generation's customs. Some of you are angry at your children for not doing the things you've never done. I wish they'd worship. I'd wish they'd pray more. I wish they'd love God more. I wish they'd want to go to church more. But you don't go to church? And when you come in here, you don't pray? And you don't worship. I, I love you, but I'm going to preach the truth this morning. You get in this room, you never serve. You never lead a small group. You never get any bigger. And then you have the audacity to complain about Johnny when you never did what it took to see Johnny rise. We have a rule in our house. We never expect what we don't model. 
If I want to see it, I have to model it. If I want her to do it, I have to show it. That's why in this room, I wonder if I had to gauge the next move of God for the next generation by the current generation's worship, praise, and devotion. What kind of move of God will we have? But I feel like I'm in a room today with some mamas and some daddies and some grandpas and some grandmas who say the next generation ain't going to have to wonder what revival looks like or a move of the Spirit looks like. I'm going to show them right here, right now. I dare somebody to take 10 seconds for your children and your grandchildren and lose your mind so that the next generation knows what a move of God sounds like, looks like, and feels like. If we don't start showing this thing and changing the habits, your children is, are going to live in something they were never designed to live in. And so the habit has become a custom. Well, what's the custom? Every year they go up, they go in, and they go back. Every year they go up to Jerusalem. They go into the temple, and they go back to Nazareth. They go up, they go in, they go back. Wait a second. This ain't a custom. This is a cycle. I'm talking to stuck people. I'm talking to stuck people. Because some of the stuff that's keeping you is not just your inability to grow up. It's that you have been in a cycle for so long, you don't know what direction's good and what direction's bad anymore. And what if I told you that up is good? Come on, up is good. I said up is good. I'll give you a Bible. He's made us to be seated in heavenly places. Up is a good direction. In is a good direction. I will enter his gates with thanksgiving in my heart. So that means up, if up is good, and in is good, then back is the problem. Because every cycle is a circle. And if you want to break a cycle, you got to learn at which part to break the circle. Which means you're going to have to have some honest conversations about the people in your life, the places in your life, the things in your life. And you're going to have to ask the question, if I stay attached to you, what direction will you take me? That's why they call those things ships. Friendships. Because they're designed to take you somewhere. It's a relationship because it takes you somewhere. Can I be deep? It's a fellowship because it takes you somewhere. And every before you get into any relationship, take any job, do anything, you ought to stop and ask the question, where am I going if I hang with you? Because maturity in this text says going up is good at 12. Going in is good at 12. But the mature Jesus at 12 says... Y'all can go back. Y'all can go back if you want to go back. But me, mature me, I ain't staying stuck another day in this cycle. I am making the decision, the hard decision, to not go back another day. I came to tell somebody in this room, it's time to make up your mind this year that you are not going back ever, ever, ever again. If you believe it, give God some praise. Now, I know what some of y'all are saying. Pastor Josh... That sounds so much easier than what it is. 
It's so easy to say, yeah, I ain't going back. Well, first of all, if you never declare it, you'll never see it. So at some point in time, you have to say, I'm not going back. <laughs> but how do you not go back? You have to understand the scripture gives us one little detail, and I'm closing this thing. The detail is this, is that it was every year they went up, it was Passover. That means somewhere up there was a lamb. And somewhere in there was a lamb that had been slain. And somewhere in there at Passover, blood had been shed. Why do you not have to go back? Because you're on the other side of the blood now. Oh, oh are you hearing me? Let me tell you how you can look the devil in the eye today and say no and really mean it. How you can look the enemy in the eye and say, no, I'm not coming back six months from now. It's because, my friend, the enemy has tried to get you not to see. You are on the other side of the blood of Jesus. And the last time I checked, oh, the blood of Jesus still has power. The blood of Jesus still works. No disease can cross the bloodline. No devil can cross the bloodline. No demon can cross the blood. Thank you, Jesus, uh, for the blood. If you're thankful for the blood, somebody give him a shout of praise. And his maturity makes a hard choice to say, you can go back if you want. But I didn't come all the way up here. And I didn't struggle all the way in here to turn around and go back to something that wants to destroy me. I'm telling you in this room today, some of you are going to get unstuck because the Bible says they overcame him by the the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Somebody let that devil know right now I don't care who's around you or whatever you got to do. Let that devil know. Let that addiction know. Let that trauma know. Let that anxiety know. Let that depression know. I am not going back. I am only going forward. Now shout if you believe victory is yours. You can play soft. Ooh, is anybody getting anything from this thing today? Y'all pulling on me. You're getting my best stuff today. And so he stays. They go back. Get ready. There's some people aren't going to go with you into the next season. No matter how much you want them to, how much you think you need them, there are some people that can't go into where God has called you to be. And I can't imagine how he felt. I know I'm mature, but I'm also alone. Some of us in this room, the reason we go back is because we don't know how to do seasons called alone so we would rather go back to stuck than to stay in freedom 
because the crowd is bigger over there. But I love his promise. I will never leave you nor forsake you. If you choose to come after me like this, I feel the glory of the Lord. If you choose to come after me like this, I'll let you know that nigh is non-directional. Because the text says, if you draw nigh to me, I will draw nigh to you. And for three days, the mature Jesus stays in the high place. Four things, and I'm going to let you go. Four things that are going to get you unstuck and keep you unstuck. Well, how do I get unstuck in this place after growing up, after being on the other side of the blood? Number one, the Bible says for him to get up there and stay up there, he broke the hand of flesh. Every year he walked back hand in hand with his parents. But when he got up there this time, he understood, I can't be led by the Spirit while holding the hand of flesh. Whatever has your hand leads you. And whatever, you, whatever leads you, you walk in. So if you have the hand of flesh, you're led by the flesh. Therefore, you will walk in the flesh. But if you have the hand of the Spirit, you will be led by the Spirit. And if you are led by the Spirit, come on, y'all, you're getting it. I can see it on your faces. You will walk in the Spirit. I know it's hard, but you're going to have to learn to break the hand of flesh in every area of your life. Number two, the text says that when they searched for him, they went to the place they last saw him amongst relatives and acquaintances. Number two, if you're going to get unstuck and stay unstuck, is they ought not be able to find you where they used to find you. There are some places you've been, undeniably. But you need to make up your mind that you have changed your address. You are not going to see me where you last saw me. I maybe have been there, but my life has been changed. You won't find me. Come on. And I'm not talking just about physical places. I'm talking about places like depression and anxiety and worry and fear. I might have been there, but I have changed my address. I'm not living where I used to live. And you can't find me where you used to find me. Which takes me to number three. When they found him. They found him in the presence of the Lord. The easiest way to get unstuck and stay unstuck after you've grown up, gone up, and gone in is to make sure that the most prioritized place in your life is the presence of the Lord. More than ball games, more than sports, more than my job, more than anything I like, I have designated that I will consecrate my life 
to being a lover of the presence of the Lord. Is there anybody in the room who's made up their mind that if you're going to find me the rest of this year, all of next year, you're going to find me at his feet. You're going to find me in worship. If they're going to call prayer meeting, I'll be at the prayer meeting. If they call, I'll be at the smoker. If they call worship, I'll be at revival. Whatever it takes to stay where he is, that's where I want to be. She found him. And the text says, watch, y'all still get anything out of this? When they found him, he wasn't on the fringe. The text says he was in the midst of them. This is a word for somebody, and I love you enough to tell you the truth. You are not getting full benefits from your relationship with God and full benefits from your faith because you are living your faith on the fringe. You have to watch everybody else get what's yours because you have never journeyed to the center of it all. There are some of you, I love you, but you come and you leave every single week. You don't get involved. And let me tell you, you will never see glory unless you decide to get off the fringe, off the bench, and step in the middle and say, I don't even know what this means, but God promised that if he, if I would be here, he would meet me here. He's in the midst. He's in the midst. Can I be real deep? You know after this moment, he would never leave the middle again? They would be in the storm on the boat, and he would wait till the boat was in the middle of the sea to go walking on water. When he died, he didn't die on the left or on the right. He died in the middle because from this moment forward he is showing them not only am I going to be there for you but I'm going to be your middle man I'm going to be the middle man well how do you know that the Bible says there is no mediator between God and man save Christ Jesus he's the man in the middle do you know what his ministry is now his ministry is that of an intercessor he's between you and God he's the middle man is there anybody thankful that Jesus forever lives to be the middle man He's in the middle. Hurry, Josh. In the middle. And she comes up to him and she says, boy, sounds like my mama. Do you know what you've done to us? Do you know how scared we are? We thought we lost you. He said, you didn't lose me. I was in the right place waiting for you to come join me. And the text says she was amazed at how much he understood all the questions, all the answers. I want to say this before I finish this message. You would be shocked at how much he knows and still chooses to understand about you. You want fuel for worship? Think about the fact that he knows what he knows. Y'all ain't hearing me. Think about the fact that he knows what he knows about you. And in the fact that he knows all your mistakes that were in front of people, all your failures behind closed doors, he knows what he knows. And instead of condemning you or embarrassing you or trying to put you on bad blast in public, what he does instead is he sees what he sees and knows what he knows, but says, I'll choose to understand you. Which leads me to the final point. He says, Mama, I'm not a baby anymore. 
Mama, when I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child. But Mama, I'm not a child anymore. I'm putting away childish things. Well, how do we know then, Jesus? Because of number four. Because I must be about my father's business. The way you get unstuck and stay unstuck is when you commit to being in his presence and you are consecrated to only be about his business. I know some of you are looking for the shout three times, run around the church, fall out, get prayed for. But the truth is, if you will put away childish things, there is a world that's about to open up to you. Stand your feet all across this room. We are of people, watch this, of great busyness. Did you hear what I just told you? I said, we are a people of great busyness. We live life at the speed of cell phone. We are busier than we have ever been. The problem is our busyness isn't good business. Help me do it, Lord. The days are growing shorter. And the culture is becoming more and more evil. And the earth, I feel such an anointing on me right now. The earth is groaning louder and louder, waiting, watch this, for the mature sons to manifest. I know some of you want him to come back so we can escape. But the darkness of the world is not a time for the church to huddle. It's not a time for us to come in this sanctuary and hide. The darkness, uh, come on y'all, of the world is an invitation for the church uh, to grow up into the full measure of the body and for us to shine brighter. But we have to grow up. The last thing I'll tell you is this. Hear me by the Holy Ghost. Jesus said foxes have holes. Birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. He wasn't homeless, so what was he saying? He was saying, the head has already grown up. I'm waiting for my body to catch up to my head. Because if I try to put this head on an immature body, it will crush that body and make them ineffective. So we must be like Ephesians uh, and be grown up into the fullness. Come on, y'all. The fullness of, the, of Christ. Uh, therefore, when God looks and sees that a body has grown up, he will take the fullness of his head, the strength of his head, the power of his headship, and set it on that body. And when that body goes to work, uh, nothing is impossible. When that body goes to work, we lay our hands on the sick and they recover. Cover. When that body goes to work, uh, demons tremble and demons run. When that body goes to work. But we must put away 
childish things. Lift your hands for just a moment. Before we sing a single note, before I give another altar call, I'm going to give you an opportunity with you, right there where you are to let God show you the childish places in your life. And I dare you, I dare you to get honest with God about where you are in your life. And watch in the midst of your honesty if God doesn't release grace and majesty towards you. Come on, right there as we begin to sing. I want you in this room to begin to open up your mouth and just begin to talk to God about the area in your life. Come on, this is what we're doing for the next few moments. Uh, come on, this is, we're getting unstuck and we're staying unstuck. Uh, we're breaking the hand of flesh. You're not going to find me where you used to find me, but when you find me, you'll find me in worship. And I must be, come on, about my Father's business as we sing. Come on, let the Lord touch you. Let the Lord speak to you right now. Right now, right now, right now, right now. What area? What area? What area? Come on, sing it. Sing it, sing it. Yeah, what area? What area? Never going back to the way it was. Never going back. Come on, I can't do it for you. I wish I could. But it's time to cross over. It's time to move forward. Come on, make up your mind and sing it. That's it, Pastor John. I'm never going back. Never going back.
every head bowed, every eye closed. It would be so much easier for me to preach you into a Pentecostal frenzy this morning. To have you jumping and shouting. But you know what the problem with that is, Pastor John? I've seen so many people fall out and get up the same way they went down. I've seen people run and dance and never grow up. In this next season of life and ministry, hear me by the Spirit. Your next door opens. I know it's the year of open doors. Your next door opens when you are grown enough to go through it. I'm going to say this and be done. We were at the grocery store. And Jocelyn, it was one of them automatic doors. And for some reason, Jocelyn was mad that the door wasn't open. I said, Jocelyn, number one, you're too far away from the door. Get closer. But what I found out is the closer she got, the bigger she got concerning the door. And when she got close enough, and now it was big enough, she didn't even need a key. It just opened right up. I prophesy over your life, I don't know who I'm talking to, that in this next season, when you decide you grow up, when you do the things from this text, God says you won't have to fight for a door, you won't even have to kick it open. God said it's gonna open to you. I don't know who that's for. I don't know who that's for, but I heard that in prayer. God said it's going to be a come on automatic door. Automatic. This door is just for you at the right time. It's going to open right up. Every head bowed, every eye closed. You're in this room today, and you say, Pastor Josh, I'm not where I need to be with the Lord. All of us to start this journey of spiritual maturity have to watch this be born again my friend Jesus loves you he died for your sins he paid the price so that you wouldn't have to stay you you could be born again and I just sense by the spirit there's people in this room that even this past 48 hours you were involved in things you knew you should not be a part of, doing things you knew not to do. But the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus is not here to condemn you. It's here to tell you, you can be free and you can be saved. If you're in this room and you're not where you need to be with the Lord and you say, Pastor Josh, would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? i got to get it right today. My friend, please don't go another day. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Don't go another week or another month. Don't say, I'll figure it out when I get... No, no, no. Today, 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 the Holy Spirit is wooing you now. You feel it in your heart. Your heart's beating. You know it's you. If it's you on the count of three, slip up your hand. i got to get it right today, Pastor Josh. Hands are already going up. One, two, come on, three. got to get it right. Yep, yep, yep. I see hands in every section. Come on, I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. I'll give you a few more moments. Yep, I see hands. Yes, I see your hand. I see it. I see it. I see it. I see it in the balcony. I see it. I see it. Come on, just a few more moments. A few more moments. Come on, if you're not where you need to be and you know you got to get it right today, today is a day to be born again, to be born again. Five seconds. Come on, who am I waiting on? Four, three, lift up your hand if I'm talking to you. One, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. All I want to do is if you raised your hand and there were many hands raised, I just want to pray a simple prayer today. 
If you choose to pray this prayer, the Bible says you accept him as Lord and heaven becomes your home. You become secured in him. My friend, if you want heaven to be home, your home, you want Jesus to be your Lord, you raised your hand on the count of three. I want you to get out of your seat and come. We just want to say a prayer with you. That's right. One, hallelujah. Two, come on, get out of your seat and move. Get out of your seat and move. That's right. That's right. That's right. I saw you. I see you coming. Come on. Come on. Come right here with Pastor Josh. Come right here. Come right here with Pastor Josh. That's right. I see you, mama. Bring the baby too. Yeah, come on right here. Right here. Come on. I bet you if you keep clapping, they'll keep coming. Come on. Today is the day. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Come on. I'll wait on you. Come on, Calvary. This is what it's all about right here. Don't go another day. Don't go another hour. Don't go another moment. Today is the day of salvation. Yeah, that's right. Keep coming. Keep coming. I love it, Calvary. I love you, Calvary, for this. I love you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Now, I'm going to do something I don't ever do because I don't like to manipulate these moments, but I just feel like I'm waiting on somebody. I'll wait on you. I'll wait on you. I'll give you five more seconds. Come on, get out here and come down here. Get out of your seat and come. I'll wait on you. I just sense it. I just sense it. I feel like I'm waiting on somebody. Come on, my friend. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's it. I know it. I knew it by the Spirit. I'm waiting on you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Jesus loves you. Come on. Come on, Calvary. I know we're clapping. Come on for Jesus. Hallelujah. I see you. Come on, this should never be boring. This should never be boring. This is what it's all about. Yeah, I see you. Something's happening in here today, y'all. Something's happening in this room. Today is the day of salvation. Okay. You know what? Pack it in tight. We're a family. Pack it in tight. I want everybody at this altar to look at Pastor Josh for a second. We love you. And there is nothing you have ever done that would make him not love you. What's your name, man? Dustin? Dustin, I saw you when you put your hand up. If you only knew what God had prepared for you in this next season, Dustin great things god things it's a brand new day for you sweetheart what's your name jared jared's a new day know that god loves you so much we sang it earlier but when jesus was on the cross you were on his mind for every person at this altar today's a new day would you take your hand and put it on your heart our prayer team is surrounding you right now because we all need somebody. We're going to pray a prayer. Please know there's no power in this prayer, only in the heart that believes it while it's being prayed. If you pray this prayer and you believe it, heaven is your home and Jesus is your Lord. Say this prayer. Say, Jesus, today I ask you to come live on the inside of me, to change me from the inside out. Today, I make you Lord of my life. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins and change me again. Make me new. 
Thank you for dying on the cross and shedding your blood. And Jesus, I'll live for you and I'll love you for the, all the days of my life. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I said, in Jesus' name. Somebody shout amen. Listen, our prayer team is right here. They're going to be coming to make sure you have everything you need to make this moment matter in your life. To all my first-time guests, I'm going to pray a blessing to over everybody. For all my first-time guests, Natasha and I will be out there. What a day in the house of God. Amen? Lift up your hands. Let me pray a blessing over you. Hallelujah. Father, today we put away childish things. And Father, today we step into the world of maturity and what it brings in our lives. Father, for every man, for every woman, every child at this altar, Father, who's given their life to Jesus today, keep them, hold them in the palm of your hand. Father, let it be more than words. Let it be a transformed heart for all of their days. In Jesus' mighty name, somebody shout amen. Thanks for watching the message. I'm sure this spoke to you. Here's what I want you to do. Why don't you subscribe to this YouTube channel? That way, every time there's a new message, you'll get to hear it. Also, many of you have watched this. Some of you watch on a regular basis. Why not take time? And so, you can give at calvaryfl.com. You can give on your phones, and you can be a part of helping us take this message around the world, the message of hope, the message of Jesus Christ. Can't wait to see you back here real soon.